0: and you can almost become the character that you want to be. The problem was the lines get blurred. It then progressed from just these harmless conversations to, you know, nudity, to sending videos, to sending explicit content, to like, you know, exchanging details outside of those social media platforms.
1: Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Breanne davis gant Mark and I are blown away by the tremendous support on the heels of our 150th episode. We're excited to welcome thousands of new subscribers and wanted to share a few of our past listener favorites. Thank you again for subscribing, favoriting, and sharing. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret, I'll tell you mine. Sometimes you have to go through the darkness to reach the light. That's what I did. After 12 years of recovery in sex and love addiction, I finally found my soulmate, myself. Please join me in my novel, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict, a four-time bestseller on Amazon. It's a brutal, honest, raw, gnarly ride, but hilarious at the same time. Check it out now on Amazon. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast, I'm Brienne davis Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know, those deep, dark secrets you probably wanna to take to your grave. Or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Kat. Now Kat, I have a question for you. Ooh, dun, dun, dun.
0: What is your secret? So my secret is that I used strangers on the internet for all sorts of stuff.
1: <laughs> I love that secret because there's so many ways you can go with it. And it's literally flashing in my mind, all these people that do the same thing that I know. So I want to hear what that is for you. What, what does that look like? When did you start all that stuff? So let's get into the nitty gritty.
0: Perfect. Okay. When did it start is a good question, but when I'm going to start it from, Mm -hmm. I think is the point where I became aware of it. Um, So I, my daughter's six and a half and after she was born, I became a single parent within that first, I think she was 10 months old when I became a single parent. Hardest job in the world. Hardest job in the world. (laughs) And I did that actually for a few years. I'm now, I'm married and, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think it really started kicking off when I, I was a little bit lost after our relationship ended I left willingly so that was my choice to leave but I wasn't prepared to be become a single parent so I was like trying to learn how to juggle everything you're a mom you know it's like awesome. you're trying to show up for this thing and that thing and trying to be a member of a PTA and trying to you know organize stuff and your child wants you Yeah, (laughs) you come last, right? You come last, though, a lot of the times. And I think question before you get in, why did you leave her father her dad? Yeah, Yeah. so it was a mentally and verbally abusive relationship. And he was a narcissist, an extreme narcissist. And so he he had his thumb over me, the whole relationship. I wasn't allowed to have friends. I wasn't allowed to go out. He had moved me from one side of the country to the other side and like isolated me. Classic narcissist move, right? (laughs) Yeah,
1: totally. I've had a narcissist in my life, so I totally get it.
0: Oh, And they just want you to be under their control and reliant on them. So So yeah, so I left him and that wasn't easy, but it got to the point where I think combined with my hormones after birth, after giving birth to her, I just, I felt like I was going crazy and all the things that he had been doing before that. Now, of course your baby comes first. And I was like, I can't raise her in this environment.
1: Yeah. Especially being a a little
0: girl. A little, right. I, I kept thinking to myself, do I want to have this be the model for the relationships that she's going to have in her life. And the answer was no, but not having my family there, I was on the other side of the country. I was completely alone. Right. So you come out of that an abusive relationship your self-esteem is low your self-worth is low you're trying to feel like a, a powerful like badass woman and I was like oh like I'm taking my power back I'm gonna be this and that but that's where the using of people came into it because I needed that validation where it was like I thought I was in control I'm using Instagram and Facebook as well I, I'm sure you get this you get random dudes that reach out to you in your DMs I started liking the intention so
1: you started intriguing back with them right right having little
0: conversation or just like little little what I thought was like harmless chit-chat you know but in the meantime I was kind it was kind of feeding into my need to feel validated and loved in my decision to have left him right so I was I I, but I didn't see it like that and I think that's why I continued with it but it got worse
1: Because I think if you're listening out there and you've had a child and be a woman, you feel so depleted, right? I felt that way, completely depleted. Your body didn't belong to you anymore. And then if you're going through a breakup, especially with a narcissist, you're setting yourself up for like-
0: Ooh, some it, some acting it, it, out. <laughs> it is a roller coaster, and that's right. It it was acting out, but th- this is these. Looking back now, I can say that. But that's all terminology that I've learned. I, I'm in recovery for drug and alcohol abuse. Okay, and when did I'm, you get into that? Uh I've been completely um sober from alcohol for almost eight months mm-hmm. and uh I'm from cocaine for over three years now. Oh, yeah. God. So yeah, yeah. So I but I've been on this like quote recovery sobriety journey. Um, I'd say for like three years. I was trying to get a handle, but that also went hand in hand with this whole strangers and, and stuff like that. I really just I didn't have an identity. I think uh, becoming a single parent, becoming any type of parent, like you said, you kind of, your needs go on the back burner completely. And you're thinking, oh, I can make it to that Pilates, you know, hand him off to my husband and I can go do this and that. Well, I didn't have anyone to hand her off to. I really didn't. I, his family eventually stepped in and I started getting every other weekend, but he didn't step up and, and, and he's not involved in her life. So, you know, it was a really challenging and, and depleting time. Like you said, where you're just drained all the time. So drained you're not thinking all straight. Yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah. you're just trying to get filled in any way you can, because yes. you know, a lot of it goes into fantasy and not living in reality. And that's where the strangers come in. So what did that secret look like? You said, you know, you started, you know, gently. Yeah. Yeah. messages on IG on yeah. Facebook. So, <laughs> let's take us through what happened.
0: Yeah. Um so it 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 did start like that what I call innocently, but mm-hmm. it really it wasn't. I think what what started happening was I found out some of the guys that I was talking to were married mm-hmm. or had were in relationships, of course, right? Um that they were in long-term relationships and that this was their form of escape too. Yeah. And they say that's because they're in boredom,
1: right? You're like, right? No, you're actually, <laughs> no, you're actually having an emotional affair. Like you
0: are, you're actually cheating. So. Yeah, and that was
1: me. I'm only saying it if you're out there because I've done it too. Like I right. literally escaped reality just having little conversations with people.
0: Yeah, and you can almost become the character that you want to be. So yeah. for me, a lot of it was the acting, but the problem was the lines get blurred where the acting turns into that's who you are. So um, it then progressed from just these harmless conversations to to you know nudity, to sending videos, to sending explicit content, to like you know exchanging details outside of those um, social media platforms. So you sent nudity, or they did? Mm-hmm. Oh, but usually, but if I think about it now, it was usually me, give, 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 right? Because of course these guys are going to be like, yeah, send me all the naked pictures. Now are we talking like but- boobs and butt. Or are we talking the whole
1: shebang, like
0: downstairs I, and everything? It would really depend. Some, some of them were that, I mean, mm-hmm. the one guy that ended up becoming a long-term I don't know what you even call it. He he. It turns out he was married, Mm -hmm. but with him it was the whole shebang. But eventually I'd realized like I'd never met his family. I'd never been to his hometown. Him and I would meet up where I in the town where I lived, and like every Sunday or whatever it was. So he was fully involved. But yeah, honestly, the things that I was doing progressed more because alongside this, my my drinking picked up and my using picked up. So I'm then having no boundaries in terms of what I'm willing to do. Dangerous things, too. But like for the most part, you know, the conversations back and forth would have that sexual content or or even just the point where I would almost say that some of them were ordering on abusive, that these guys would contact me like, you know, their girlfriends in bed and they're like, hey, what are you doing? Like, I want to chat right now. Send me something, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds so crazy to say it now that I didn't realize that they're like using me, but I, I honestly saying it to you now, I was using them too, because that was my form of feeling sexy, feeling like a woman, feeling like not a mom. So like when my daughter's away for that weekend and I was going out and partying too, but then I had this whole like secret life of like, my friends didn't know that I was doing that. Oh, nobody nobody knew. (laughs) Nobody knew except for the one guy, like I said, who eventually some of my close friends came to know that he, cause they saw what I went through with that, mm-hmm. but with, they didn't know all these other ones, because I think I was a little bit ashamed of, of what I was doing, even at the time, which caused me to drink more to try right. and balance it. So yeah, it was acting out in so many ways. So you sent pictures, was there an exchange or
1: you were just sending pictures no. and it was, so what was the exchange
0: no, so, so sometimes um, these guys, it would be things like, oh, I can't, I think I mentioned this to you when I talked to you about it actually at first, it's like the single mom card of like, I can't afford to pay for um, food for my daughter, whatever. So then it would be like, um, I'm from Canada, so it's we don't have Venmo, but it's like the equivalent of a Venmo. Like, oh, I'll send you this if you do, if you send me a five minute clip and like, make sure you, it like, it was things like, make sure you hold up a piece of paper with my, with the dude's name on it so that he knows that that's you. And that, so like, really, it's almost like you're like some cam girl, cam girl. Yeah. Doing things that like it progressed because it, it never started out like that. And there was a couple of the guys who this was a regular thing. So in the beginning, it was like, hey, I really care about you. Um, I know you're struggling as a mom, I want to be able to help you out. But like you said, there was always an exchange for it. There was always like a a system of like, okay, this is what I expect in return. And I was willing to do that. And it wasn't even just for things like that. It was like, oh, I want a purse, or oh, I want (laughs) to buy makeup or alcohol, obviously, at one point was what it became. But, but these, but it didn't, The only reason that stopped is when I met my husband and I met him through Instagram through, he, he sent me a message into my DMs, not of this nature.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Wait, you're, you're jumping ahead. Let's move back. Like I, I do want to talk about you meeting your husband on Instagram, which I like, it's so funny. We're saying that like all this stuff before, and that's how you meet your husband. Right. Take me through what a normal conversation is like starting out that secret. So if a guy, you know, during your conversation, if you're like, I'm struggling and they're like, well, let me send you some money because you're struggling. And then they'd be like, let me send you some money. But can you send me a picture of your boobs? Like, how did that progression go? Because it probably progressed to, you know, more intense, right?
0: It did. And I think. The thing is, when you're desperate the way that I was, you, they, men like that, or people like that, whatever, will see that quality in you and they prey on that. Right. Yeah. So they see me. willing basically quote willing to do anything for money so it would start out as you know send me yeah send me a picture of your boobs or whatever or hey I'm feeling kind of lonely can you you know make me smile whatever and I'll I'll um make sure that I take care of you and they and then they would set a precedence that they would always do that but eventually it became um sending uh videos of sexual nature got it oh I want you to do whatever um Touch masturbate yourself. or whatever, right? Exactly. Okay. That kind of thing, and then, and that was, I mean, like I said, I didn't meet any of these people except yeah. for that guy. Yeah. But I had long-standing, you know, exchanges, and and even to the point where some of them would go through these cycles of like, I can't talk to you anymore. My wife's like really on my whatever right now, or my girlfriend, or whatever, or well, I've broken up with her. I need more of this. And and so it would increase to, well, I'm going to send you $200, but you better make it some really good quote, content this weekend so that it gets me through my weekend. And it would be things like that. Oh, get a toy out and do this or get, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And But again, I didn't really think... I thought I was being this independent, like powerful woman, perversion, willing
1: to ruin their relationship for you. You know, there's this thing when you're empty as a person and then someone's willing to like go this risk, right? This like giving you money. It's it's like your value, you feel like increased, but what what you're really doing is killing yourself pretty much. Did you, is that why you started drinking more and doing drugs more because probably everything was crashing at the same time you were getting high.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't keep it together at that point. My When I um drink and use my depression and my anxiety go through the roof. So yeah. I, I, I don't currently struggle with depression at all. And sobriety, anxiety is manageable, but like those things were amplified. So it, it it got to the point where I would have to drink a lot before I would be able to do the things that they were asking me to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like before I could engage in any type of promiscuous um, act for, for that. And I think it was because the my moral um, boundaries were crossed too, although it would sound to maybe your listeners like, Oh, she had no morals at that point. I really, I did. I just, I was so lost in trying to, love to fit in, to, to have um, validation to to survive.
1: survive. Being a single parent is hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. financially it's hard. Even if you have a great job, it's
0: hard. It is hard. And, and and that's a good point that you say that because as a mother, if you asked a lot of mothers, there's probably not a lot of things we wouldn't do for our kids. So at what point did I ever think I thought I was doing what I had to do? to put food on the table and to, um, provide for my daughter. Yeah. That, no, of course, you know, it listen, wasn't we all just have that morals.
1: We all <laughs> right. have morals. We've done things we're not proud of, you know, we yeah. do those things to survive. And that's what I tell myself and other people, like it, mm. just because you do bad things, doesn't make you a bad person. Bad person, Right.
0: Yeah. I wasn't thriving, but I was, I was surviving and I, yeah. and that was really, but the more that my alcohol and, and drug use escalated was directly in correlation with doing these things that were not in line with my values. Yeah. And so I just kind of kept deviating further from that path and, and- not knowing how to get out because the problem is when people are paying you to do these things, they have expectations. So like, I can't just be like, drop off, like, Oh, see you later. Like, no, they see regardless whether you've met them in person with the way that that technology is now you can find people. And yeah. it's really hard to just go anonymous. Now this was from my old Instagram account, but like sometimes these people have still popped up in the last few years. Yeah, when you at least (laughs) just, just yes. When my husband's sitting next to me, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, I didn't need to see that dick pic or whatever, right? Like something that doesn't happen now that I have my US number, but oh my God, I hate a
1: dick pic. Don't send a (laughs) dick pic. Just so you know, (laughs) I know no woman that's like, ooh, that's a nice dick. Ever. Ever. It's 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 not. Women are not interested, even if we like a penis. Please do not send a dick pic. In person is
0: different though. A picture, but they don't look nice. Nice. Which no, even a person,
1: sometimes I'm like that is not the that is not the most attractive. I think women no. look more
0: beautiful than men. They most do of the, time. the curves, and everything. I'm, yeah,
1: and I'm not bisexual, which you are. No. That's awesome.
0: But right. okay,
1: I, we yeah. are getting off topic. But yes. I, so, where's who's this person that you met in person? How did that amplify? How did you meet in person? Did you like him, or was it just like he? was showering you
0: like how did that happen to take it in person um yeah he so he contacted me on Facebook he sent me a message one day and it just said hey did you go to so-and-so school or work or whatever basically trying to say like oh I recognize you are you Mm so-and-so or not the not the name but like oh did you work at this place and I was like no that's not me Mm -hmm. and then he started out just a conversation of like okay well I think you're really gorgeous have a nice day was how he ended it. And then he and he was very attractive. I I will say he was very attractive. And I was kind of like, oh, what's this guy like contacting me? Right. But I didn't think anything of it. And then a few days passed and he contacted me again. And we started chatting and I hadn't been again this whole time. I didn't have a boyfriend. I just had all these dudes I was talking to. And he was the one that kind of he asked me about my my life. He had seen my daughter and me in one of my profile pictures. And we talked about that. And he just seemed interested. And he was older At that point than any of the other guys and just seemed to be established, had a house at the pool, you know, like these things. Right. And I was like, okay. And uh, he told me he was breaking up with his long term girlfriend that they were in the midst of a breakup. Mm -hmm. She was moving out, blah, blah, blah. So that's the story that I knew. Come to find out and but yet he would only come and see me. So we arranged to meet up. He showed up. He was the guy in his pictures. Everything was great. The chemistry right. was great. I was like, oh my God. Okay. This so is too good to be true. So you kind of started dating him. We, I did. And okay. I put everything else on the back burner for this guy. Okay. He turned out to be very controlling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved bombed you, right? Oh, he like flowers and freaking like everything I needed to hear. Everything he took me to the best places, right? I was like, oh. And of course, do you know how many you know- times I've heard this story? Like, I literally <laughs> could repeat this story like hundred times. That's why times. guys do it, though, because we keep, you know, buying into it. I'm like, okay but that had never been me. And that should have been my first sign is like, I was never that girl. I was always in like long-term relationships and I I had never been wined and dined. So of yeah. course, when someone came and did that, I was like, sweet, you know, Um, come to find out about seven or eight months later that he had been with her like this whole time. I think they were married to this day. I don't know, but he mm-hmm. says when it all blew up, he said that they were to back they had gotten back together for the sake of her son because he was the only father or he was the only father figure her son had ever known. Some crap like that, right? Like, oh, I had to do it for her. But you didn't have to lie to me or to her about this whole thing. Who knows if they were ever not together? That's they my probably thing.
1: I would say 95% they probably were together. Just Jared, from experience but it was
0: so and dangerous. God. Like he's sleeping with her and with me. And and he was he was the only one. I kept pressuring him at a certain point to meet his he he had older kids like teenage kids and I was like I want to meet your kids want to see your house your dog whatever whatever none of that ever materialized and but he would not let me go after even after I found out you know about everything he still had a hold so that's also when everything ramped up with me and these other guys is because I was like I wanted to be like a big F you to this guy. Like, yeah. look at me. I'm out here getting all these other dudes. So I kind of, it kind of went out of control at that point because I, I wanted to prove a point.
1: Well, you got hurt. It also mm-hmm. seems like you kind of got lied to yeah. and, tricked and manipulated. So when we're right.
0: hurt, we hurt others. Mm-hmm. And that was where I say when I said to you, I'm using people because I knew that I as much as they couldn't offer me what I deserved, I couldn't offer them either. I was I was broken then. And I don't believe that we're broken forever. I think there was that period in time was really hard for me to be an honorable like person who didn't lie like I just lied about everything about who I was I had like four different versions of cat like this is me in this situation you you become a chameleon to those situations so I think I just uh I carried on using people even more Mm -hmm. because some of them there was a couple of them that actually got what I say attached to me where they became dependent on they would tell me things about their relationship or whatever it was. And so well, I felt Well, you were like- both
1: pa- playing a role and you still, yeah. even when you're playing a role and wearing those masks, just from my own experience, people still become connected and yeah. codependent and mm. not wanting to let that go, even if it's not real. You know, we all strive for this connection, but we're terrified of getting hurt and having intimacy. So we play these parts. We become these characters to protect ourselves.
0: hmm And that was what I was scared is having that real connection, I guess, deep down, I didn't feel worthy of that. But I would pretend and I would play these roles to have what looked like a connection to somebody. Oh, I'm being like a therapist to this guy. I'm really helping him out, listening to his problems and sending him ass or whatever, you know, like I love that (laughs) thing. You know, like, oh, this is gonna help. Like I'm helping him. I'm helping heal him. (laughs) Because that was the root of it too, though, is I am actually a helper. And I think, you know, in sobriety that manifests as as acts of service and being able to like be there genuinely as a friend like I was a shitty friend through all that to any of these people people I didn't know people I used people in my life and now it's come full circle that most like none of those obviously people I used were, are in my life now but even a lot of the so-called friends they're not in my life either oh yeah you know, my sobriety community house. You clean house.
1: You you realize like you were never available. You were never a good friend, and you picked unavailable people. And that's what I say: if you're with an unavailable person, have unavailable friends. Something in you is unavailable. That you pick those people. Like attracts like. With that, yeah, yeah. I did want to say one thing that I just heard the other day because you said you don't have depression anymore, but you still have anxiety. And I heard this Mm. saying that really helped me. It said, "If you live in the past." you're probably plagued with depression. And if you're living with anxiety, it's because you're living in the future. I like
0: that. So
1: if uh, that just helped Whoa. me, I was like, Oh my God, I just was having a little depression <laughs> and I'm in anxiety. So I'm living in this fear. Yes, fear. That, that is so
0: true. And, and we say, um, future tripping. So oh, I yeah, say I that a lot, like tripping. don't future trip <laughs> with things, but, but you're right. A depression probably does pop up. Sometimes I think we go through those cycles. I, I'm not on any medication right now. And mm-hmm. I think, um, and I was on all sorts of different things during that period that we just talked about where they were like trying things. But of course, none of them worked because I was drinking like, duh, let's give you, you know, Ciprolex, but it's not going to work because you're numbing yourself with poison. Yeah. So. It's like poison and poison and poison, and, poison <laughs> and
1: all doing different things for your body. Right. But then you say, so you, he, how long did you stay with the in-person guy? cause he, he kept his hooks in you. And then did you then meet your husband now? Or like, how that transition go when you finally
0: let go of this secret, this secret life you were living? Um, good question. Yeah. He, the, the in-person guy, I think that from start to finish um, was about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Very intense though. Sometimes you think like, oh, it must've been like four years. No, I think it was like a year and a half. Um, and he's cropped up as recently as February when I got married this year. He, yeah. he cro- cropped up on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And I tried to take the high road with that. But that's a different story. But, but <laughs> I couldn't wait, take he, the high
1: road. He hasn't wait, changed. He, yeah, he's never
0: going to probably change unless you he do was He was trying to chit chat. He was trying to chit chat. And I'm like, we're not friends. And I'm getting, I was literally getting married like that next week. You yeah. know, February February 11th, I was getting married. and He cropped up like February 6th and was like, Oh, I'm so, I never knew you were going through all these struggles with alcohol and this, and that like, yeah, every time we would meet up, I would have to numb myself first to go through with everything, you know? Um, So that was about a year and a half. Um, just so you know, you said it was intense. And I always say, yeah.
1: if intensity doesn't equal intimacy. So if, no. things, if things are intense, that's a sign that you actually are not being intimate, like I think deep. you're right.
0: I think yeah. I was avoiding it. Um, yes. I when I list I listened today to your episode with the the woman who had postpartum bipolar, mm-hmm. and she talked about not sleeping very much at all and having riding on the manic part of it. Mm-hmm. And when I look back, there was um, about two years in there where every night I was up for probably four, five, six hours in the middle of the night, and I would be doing my own thing and like uh, t- chatting with these people. And like filling that void where I was just like, it was like you said, so sped up and so accelerated that it wasn't real anymore. It was just I was detached from like my body and my person that was doing that. So, um, yeah, so that that was about a year and a half. Um, And then when my husband came along. Well, because what what I was doing was posting like somewhat provocative pictures on Instagram. Okay. Not compared to a lot of the stuff that's out there, but for me and.
1: No, the, I don't post any bikini or any of those kind of shots. I'm. Totally- I would post
0: them with like, because I'm a writer, right? So right. then I would put like some inspirational bullshit underneath under oh, you the guys' like-
1: You're like, <laughs> the, isn't there like a whole sketch where like someone's like in a bikini and it's like, <laughs> be one with the universe and. Yes. All those things I was that girl where it was like oh it's just it Meditate was so day I meditated on one with the earth right. while you're like posing in a bikini.
0: Yes. <laughs> while you're literally have everything hanging out, like oh you know oh my I, god, I love it. It. I love it. That was exactly it. what I was doing. So of course I was attracting people that bought into that. So then when he So he sent me a message. He actually read something I I wrote under one of those pictures and he messaged me and we talked, um, this is your husband now, right My now husband. Okay. Okay. I was just
1: making sure. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So we just, we've been together for three years now. Mm -hmm. We just got married this year. Um, and he, we chatted over FaceTime and every way, like we, we chatted every day, all day mm-hmm. for six months. And then we met in 2018. We met, he flew to Canada where I lived and um, I picked him up from the airport and never met him. But once, when him and I met, we, I... That was what I needed to cut ties with all these other people. So the guy, the in-person guy was out of the picture then, although he cropped up multiple times, but I hadn't seen him in about a year and a half um, by the time my husband came along. And that even when my husband came along, I remember one time he came to visit and we were going to use my Skype to talk to my family in Canada. When we logged on all these conversations with these dudes <gasps> were like in the like side part down the sidebar. And, and he took us so gracefully, but like, I know he told me he, he was bothered by it, but he knew I had a past. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of taken the good and the bad, I guess you could say, but he, never gave up on like seeing the potential like he knew who I wanted to be and Mm -hmm. he encouraged that and he was never creepy I I don't know he I'd never been treated the way that he treats me before and I never that kind of made me think you know the stuff the attention I'd been getting from those other guys was not healthy and anyway. Yeah. And it didn't bring out the best in me. When he came along, I will say I'm I think I require a lot of attention and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's okay for us to say that is like I I didn't get a lot of that growing up. So I think that kind of played a role in I'm not close to my family and I left home really early when I was 17 and I moved to another continent. Like I moved to England. So I just never had that closeness. So I think I was searching for that and then when he came along, it was like, okay, it showed me when how bad the other stuff. You weren't done drinking, but were you done doing the drugs when you met? Mm-hmm. Him? He's very anti-drugs. And honestly, it's a very expensive, cocaine's a really expensive <laughs> habit. Yes, it so it was like, okay, I can give this up. Um, but the drinking actually escalated in a weird way, not in a partying sense, in a like drinking on my own sense.
1: Managing, managing.
0: It was trying to manage to the worthy, the unworthiness. I kept. I was in fear that I was going to lose my husband, not because of anything he did, just because fear of abandonment, right? Fear of abandonment.
1: We self self sabotage with that addictive behavior. Our addict self is literally sitting in the corner going. Okay, how can I mess this up so I right. can just let it be done, or have this person walk out of me now? And I just created it a self-fulfilling
0: than- prophecy where you're right? like, okay, well, I am this girl that like nobody can love. But it's like that's a that's a false narrative because it's not true at all. Yeah, you know, you are worthy of that, and he showed me that, and I kept showing him little more parts of me, but he didn't know that I was secretly drinking just to cope with like keeping up with my whole life.
1: I know a lot of people that secret drink. I know Ugh. so many people that keep it hidden in the
0: garage and don't tell people oh, and it's just everything. Like, she, it's going to catch know, up with you sooner or it later. Does. It does. It's addictive and, and it, and it um, escalates. So you need more and more alcohol to even just survive. So then yeah. it starts permeating into your day-to-day life. So that's what started happening. Yeah. But when I told him I was going to get sober and I joined this like sobriety community, he was a little bit shocked. It was just before we immigrated here. He tells me I'm actually <laughs> I'm gonna be doing a live interview with him on my Instagram in a couple of weeks and asking him unscripted questions about like what he thought about my drinking. But he says that there was a couple times he came to visit and he could smell it on me, but he didn't really think anything of it because you could people could think you have one glass of wine. Yeah, it could be two bottles deep, right? They they don't always I would get blackout, but I would still function. So mm. no, he didn't, but there was near the end, it got pretty sloppy because there was there was um, mixing in with... I was trying to stop drinking, so I would get like benzos and stuff. So then you're mixing that with alcohol and it's really, really dangerous. Yeah. No, I'm glad yeah. that
1: you're not doing that anymore and that you're no. sober now from alcohol because that just amplifies mm-hmm. every other addiction because you're just covering yeah. up that unworthiness or that fear of
0: not being loved or not being enough. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I don't do that. But that was a big part of how that's, it had to come to that head because I wasn't going to learn any other way. You know, I needed to be found out.
1: (laughs) Are you still, uh, this is a question. Are you Mm. still online? Are you still DMing people? Do you have like emotional conversations or affairs anymore? Do you do
0: any of that? No, I don't do that anymore. Um, I haven't fully rectified the, the persona that I was back then. And I think it's still, you know, that's a good question. There's still a side of me that does like attention in yeah, a certain way. Likes. So So within my sobriety, right. Within my sobriety community, there's, you know, you know how it is. You want everyone to get sober in your community. So you're cheering each other on, you're trying to be support. And I'm kind of like the most vocal, like cheerleader for other people. So I have, it's like a power trip when you have like people relying on you, like, Oh, I'm like, you can text me in the middle of the night. Like I'll be there. Like, and it's like, I had to recently in the last couple of months, I had to slow things down with that because I found some of my old behaviors cropping up cropping in that. Up. Yeah. 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 And but it's a, it's a sneaky one because I had a therapist in Canada and then since immigrating and because of COVID, it's so hard to find a good therapist in network and whatever, yeah. whatever, right? Which is why my sobriety meetings have been really important because I'm like, I need reality checks because it's quite easy. I'm a daydreamer and I'm a writer and I just go off into these like other World yeah. of things where it's hard to sometimes discern what's reality and what isn't, especially with lack of sleep, trying to get sober. Your body's like detoxing all of this, never mind the emotional stuff that you drank over, or used over for years. So then that's cropping up. Like, you know, right? Like, oh you're my like, God, yeah, oh, my withdrawal like a- from sex and love addiction was nine months. I had to
1: literally yeah. give up every man in my life, no friends. No talking, texting, or eating any men whatsoever. That would be like going to a restaurant and not making eye contact with a waiter because I was taking putting all that energy when I didn't even want to put off that flirtatious energy. It was just coming because I was so used to getting filled. I say you're raping other people for their energy, and that is one of the (laughs) hardest things. And when you do it, and you know, in sobriety of like, I'm going to be of service to you. Like in my program, men and women do not be of service to each other. No. You do not, you know, help somebody if they're struggling in their addiction. Like it is too right.
0: slippery a slope. Yeah, it's so true. Um, I think the other part of that is though too, is that I have a lot of emails that in sobriety that have wanted to become close to Mm -hmm. I don't know where the lines are blurred and my husband and I talk about that because just as much as it's male nowadays, it can be anybody can mm-hmm. have a crush on you or an unhealthy obsession or whatever. And I, I'm like you, where I used to give off those flirtatious vibes to like, li- everybody would love me. Like, Oh, yeah, you I said, know, I can flirt with, like, right? I flirt with the chair. Like <laughs> I really flirt with the chair to get right? some attention and validation. Some- yes. <laughs> and then to have to detox from that is really hard because you can get thrown back into that place where you don't feel worthy and you're like nobody's paying attention to me and it's like you know so it has been healthy um, and good timing that we moved here and I don't really know anybody here and I guess with COVID everything's all my sobriety meetings are still online and stuff so I formed really solid friendships that way but I haven't um, been out in the wild with like having to deal with this. So, it's gonna you know, remains to be seen, Brianna. I don't know, like going out <laughs> in the wild. I'm like, what's going to happen? I know because- it's, it's like a whole other new game,
1: but we are, be- I could literally talk to you forever, but I do have one more question in yeah. case a listener is out there and they go online and they have those sexual conversations or mm. they bumped it up to that next level with its money and pictures and videos like mm. you did what would be your advice for someone that's doing that and feeling like it feels good, but then I'm sure they're feeling that not good. What would you say to them?
0: You know, I I really think that for me, it was about looking at how how it made me feel. So there's something I read about the things that come to you in the night, in the quiet, in the still, those are your yearnings and your, your calling. So when I would go to sleep, when I'd be completely sober or whatever, which wasn't very often, but but there would be times when I would get back to how those things made me feel and they didn't make me feel good. So looking at yourself and saying, I need to do something different than what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is not working. Right. And you've talked about this before, about you can't do this alone. You really yeah. can't. And for me, I had to reach out to strangers. I didn't know anybody in the sobriety community. Um, my husband, I had to give that a chance where I didn't know him. Right. And, um, but I had to, but I connected, I never talked to him about sexual things or things like that in the beginning. I had to do it different. Right. So I right. think that's my advice is, is do it different and reach out to anybody says, so, you know, hopefully somebody that's like, not just like a DM necessarily, but even that just reach out what feels comfortable and talk about it. Like what we're doing right now is really cathartic in terms of moving that energy. And I'm big on like trying to move that through. I cry a lot more now in sobriety, but then I get all it out. The time. It's like all, all the time. Mother of motherhood does it too, I think. But like literally I'll have a cry in the shower and I'm like, I don't even really remember what it was about later that day, right? No, you, you just know? have to
1: move it. It's that stuck energy. Or if you're feeling a feeling, like feel your feeling, you are not going to die from that feeling. No, we don't like to feel bad feelings. But yeah, if you are out there and you are finding yourself in this pattern of behavior over and over again, where you're putting yourself out there sexually and you really don't want to, you know, there is other people that have gone through this and that is reach out. There's communities all over that you know, talk about this stuff.
0: Right. And if you looked at me, I mean, obviously they won't see me, but if you looked at me now, you wouldn't think that this is something that I had been through. And so that really, that message is that you, this person you see now is the person that was always there and that's inside of you and you can get to that person, but you have to do something different. You can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. So
1: Amen, sister. Amen. (laughs) Oh, Kat, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your truth. Of course, we talked way too long, but I just love when women come out and say their truth and things they have done, and it doesn't define us as people. So I am so grateful for you. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you for having me. I think this is an important conversation.
1: (laughs) And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at icloud.com. Until next time.